Welcome to the Figure Fit Lifestyle Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Nearswicki, international best-selling author of the book, Happy Healthy Fit, founder and owner of Solace Yoga Studio, Solace Yoga School, and Figure Fit, the worldwide online personal training program. I'm a single mom, paleo fit score female champion for 2014, I am a self and soul love expert, entrepreneur at heart, a visionary and a futurist. I'm also a mentor. I am so grateful that you are here. Each week, I'll bring you a special guest or an inspirational tip that will help you break old patterns, find that inner motivation that will help you take action towards creating the life of your dreams. You didn't come here to play small and watch others live amazing lives. No, you are divine, my godly friend. The universe wants to shower you with an amazing life filled with happiness and soulful connections. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Figure Fit Podcast, where we discuss fitness, paleo nutrition, yoga, meditation, spirituality, and other ways to have a happy, peaceful, and abundant life. And here's your host, Liz Nearswicki. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Figure Fit Podcast. I am so grateful to be here with you today. I have an incredible podcast guest today, and you guys are going to love this episode. Magdalena and I dig deep into estrogen dominance, adrenal fatigue, shingles, detoxification um, When for the liver, um, how to repair the gut, certain foods that you should be eating or adding into your diet if you feel you do have estrogen dominance. Um, I learned so much from today's incredible guest, and I know that you will too. Magdalena is a wealth of knowledge, and I cannot wait to share this podcast episode with you. But before I do, you guys, I just want to thank you so much, as always, for sharing these episodes with your friends and also for tagging me on Instagram um, so that I can see who is listening. I love, love, love hearing from you. It allows me to see you and speak directly to you. So you guys, thank you so much. I cannot share this podcast without you. This podcast needs you in order to reach the masses. So I'm beyond grateful for each and every one of you listening, sharing, tagging friends, and replying back to me with what you love or what you've learned about um, yourself or about life and how these podcasts are helping you. So thank you again so much for your continuous love and support of this show. And before I get into the podcast today, I'd like to just take a moment for our podcast sponsor, Health IQ. I love rewards. Love them. I believe that when you do good work and are an example, you should be rewarded. I do this with my employees and I do this with my own son. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that does this for their customers. If you're an avid health enthusiast, such as a runner, a cyclist, yogi, strength trainer, or something similar, you'll want to check out Health IQ for great rates. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people just like you. 56% of Health IQ customers have seen savings between 4 and 33% on their life insurance rates. It's like saving money on car insurance for being a good driver, but Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a healthy and conscious lifestyle. 
Learn more and get a free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash figure fit. Okay, you guys, and before we dive into the show today, I do mention a couple of books today in the show, and I want to make sure that if you want to read them or you want to get them on audio, you have the ability to get it for free. And I've worked out a special offer for you from audible.com, and this is where I get a ton of books on audio. So all you have to do is go to figurefitfreebook.com. And I'll actually put this link in the show notes so that if you forget, you can just head to the show notes and click on this offer. It'll take you straight to audible.com, but it will have the opportunity for you to get a free book via this this link. So figurefitfreebook.com. And all it's going to ask you for is your first name, last name, email, and you'll be set to go with one free audiobook. And my book's out there, and I'm reading my book to you. But there's thousands and thousands of other books available out there as well. So if there's anything that you've heard about recently out in the world that other people are reading, I just highly encourage you to go to this link, sign up, get your free audiobook, and start listening. You can listen when you walk. You can listen when you're doing laundry. That's usually when I'm listening to mine. Either I'm walking or I'm doing laundry. And it's just a great way to... Uh, you know, put inspiration into my brain, but also be doing something productive. All right, guys, once again, that's figurefitfreebook.com. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest today, Magdalena Schlacki. Uh, Magdalena is a founder of the Popular Hormone Balance online community. She's a holistic nutrition coach, knows the value of cooking for hormone balance firsthand. You guys, she developed hyperthyroidism and then Hashimoto's, adrenal fatigue, and estrogen dominance. This propelled her to leave a high-pressured advertising career and develop a new way of eating that would repair and keep her hormones working smoothly. Now symptom-free, Magdalena shares her practical, proven knowledge so other women can benefit. In her book, Cooking for Hormone Hormone Balance. It's a cookbook, you guys. She draws on current research to explain the essential role of food, keeping our hormones in harmony, and offering easy, flavorful recipes to help us eat our way back to good health. She also offers clear, concise action plans for what to remove and what to add to our daily diet to regain hormone balance, including guides for specific conditions. All right, you guys, I'm so excited for my guest today. I have Magdalena, and I'm going to let her say her last name because I am going to botch this again. So welcome, Magdalena. I'm so happy to have you on the Figure Fit podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, <laughs> shalaki, but you know what? Seriously, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> we, we are in the same boat. And so I'm going to yep. let, I want you to tell the listeners how the Polish would say my last name. Yeah, so you would pronounce it as Nierzwicki. Nierzwicki. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just do that from here on out because it sounds way sexier. <laughs> <laughs> welcome so much. Thank you so much and welcome to the show. I'm just happy to have you here today. <clears throat> Why don't you tell the listeners what we're going to get into today? You know, I think beautiful books have been written about 
hormones that have really put the idea that we can help ourselves with other things than just birth control pills or believing that genetics is the destiny for our hormones through books and the work of, you know, a few fantastic doctors like Dr. Gottfried and Alan Christensen and Dr. Isabella Wenz, you know, um, but not many people have done beautiful cook. Well, actually, nobody as far as I know has done beautiful cookbooks that combines the science um, of nutrition and how we can completely change how we are functioning as, um, you know, as beings, but specifically from a hormonal perspective. And really, that's what um, I would love to inspire your listeners today with. I love it. And you guys, I have to take a moment and just tell you this, because yesterday I was sitting in my kitchen with my son having dinner, and I was just thinking about new cookbooks, a new cookbook that I could get that goes beyond what I currently have, because I have a lot of paleo cookbooks, I have some grain free cookbooks. But I've been since I turned 40, I know that I need to be very specific with the way that I eat. And I have to be careful. Um, right now, Magdalena, one of the things that I'm doing is cutting out caffeine and really trying to get an, a balanced more balanced diet because we can be such creatures of habits buying the same old things week after week. So um, I really am so excited to talk to you guys. This was like a manifestation. She just, I didn't even know that this is exactly what we were going to talk about today. So I'm so happy to dive in today with you. Can I just acknowledge first that you getting off caffeine is, you know, is really like heroin addict saying I'm getting off heroin because it really is the biggest drug in the world. Mm hmm. And when I say that is, you know, if you think about it, um, a drug is anything that you crave it when you don't have it, makes you feel good when you do it, right? And then when you stop it, you've got some serious withdrawals. And that's exactly what coffee falls into that category, right? You mm -hmm. won't get that from carrots. Right. <laughs> it's not the truth. <laughs> but you will get that from caffeine. And, you know, whether it's coffee or whether it's even my beloved matcha tea, um, Liz, I'm with you on the same page. Like just three weeks ago, I literally stopped. I stopped coffee a long time ago because it was going me go crazy. Yeah. Uh, but matcha was matcha was my go-to. You know, and matcha is the the ceremonial Japanese beautiful tea. But you know, let's not forget one teaspoon of matcha is still equivalent to, um, you know, one shot of espresso. It's the same amount of caffeine. And, you know, with my book launch and doing the tour for the past two months, I, I tell you, I was so burned out. Then I felt like if I did not have that cup of coffee, that cup of matcha, I was toast. Mm -hmm. And and so drawing that energy just from caffeine when my whole body was just falling apart, I was like, that's it. I have yeah, to get yeah. of it. And I will tell you, it was rough. Two weeks and I felt like I was having a mini stroke for two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. It is, you know, and I... But, that, but when, don't you feel like when your body then starts being able to produce his own energy. I mean, on the mitochondrial level, when you produce your own energy, you know, I, I, I'm curious to know how you, whether you've experienced any changes, but just on my part, I've been sleeping much deeper. You know, um, I, my mood has significantly improved. My energy is distributed throughout the day. I don't have that spike in the morning and then, you know, and then in the afternoon I'm tanking. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I noticed that it was making me really anxious and um, I would wake up, you know, really tired and sometimes, and I meditate every morning and I meditate in the afternoon as well. And, you know, my biggest thing is connection to source. That is, I want to be connected as often as possible to the present moment, to, to the source, whatever anybody wants to call it, mm. but being present. And what I found is that the coffee was making me really anxious and it was harder for me after 
I would have the coffee to really stay in that calm energy because it yeah. just shoot it would shoot me up and like you I was I'm I'm overstressed with being a single mother a homeowner a multi-business owner and um you know it's very small team for what I'm doing there's a lot of stress so I know that the caffeine was only adding stress to my adrenals yep. and um it, it was it was like it's that it's that catch 22, right? When you're like, oh, I need it. I, I really need it to get through it. But you know that it's actually not doing you any justice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're taking money out of a bank account. It doesn't have anything, you know, it's basically, that's what it is. And then you start taking money out on the credit cards, right? And next thing you know, you're a real deep, deep trouble. So congrats on that. This is a big one. It's not, it's one of the, I find it's one of the most difficult things um, and the most addictive substances you can get rid of. It is. But, it but is. the most shifting as well needle moving for your health too yeah well thank you so much for that acknowledgement i appreciate that even every every little pat on the back helps <laughs> <laughs> well um i'd like to dive in and talk more about what you are this new cookbook that you have and um, but first before we do that why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about you so that they can just you know meet you and and where you're from and you've got the accent so tell us a little <laughs> bit about your your history yeah. So, yeah, if you wonder about my, my accent, I'll just get, let's get this out of the way. So I was born to Polish, to Polish parents. Uh, and because of my, my father's job, we cruised the world. And um, he landed, his last post landed him in, um, in uh, Asia. And so I spent 32 years of my life living in Asia, pretty much grew up there. Most formative years from age 15 till much later, it was, it was there. Um, and so that was, you know, Malaysia, and then I moved to Hong Kong, I lived in Shanghai. Um, so those sort of mean, and, and this is where I think I got a lot of the inspiration for my book. Um, but also, I think it just shaped how I work with food, where, you know, in Asia, there is a very thin line between where food starts and medicine begins. Um, it's a lot of times it's merged between somewhere between those two. So um, you know, that I think the most pivotal moment came in 2008 when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease because I was so incredibly fatigued and uh, I started getting memory loss and my hair was just coming out in lumps. And for those of you who don't know, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease that your immune system starts attacking the thyroid. And that that's when you really start um, going on that, you know, the biggest, craziest journey of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but but really when I you know, now that I do what I do, when I look back, it was a perfect storm that find, that led to an autoimmune disease. And like with hormones and with autoimmunity and I'm sure a lot of other conditions that I don't specialize in, but I suspect cancer will be the same way. You know, it doesn't happen within a month of you doing something stupid. You know, it's typically uh, months and years of buildup and. In my case, you know, Liz, when I look at it, it's like I was not a breastfed baby. My mom bought into the 1970s formula, uh, you know, premise, right? That uh, formula is, is uh, more nutritious than a mother's milk. Um, and not surprisingly, I was, I was um, you know, in a hospital already in the first month with pneumonia. So then now they're pumping me with all these antibiotics, right? My mm. My gut will, that's, I mean, I, I've been having digestive issues ever since then and then covered with eczema as a kid, mm -hmm. uh, chronic ear infections. You know, I don't remember much being five years old, but I do remember being taken to the hospital for ear drainage. Mm. Uh, 
had so much puzz. Oh, I'm sorry you to know, hear that. That's tough. You know, but it was part, I mean, it was all part of the journey, right? And your mom it didn't is. know that I had severe food sensitivities. In my case, it was eggs, gluten, and dairy that I that were causing all of that, which pretty much, you know, as a Western family, that's what we lived on. Um, and, you know, going down to my teenage and, and young adulthood, uh, it like with a lot of food sensitivities, they evolved to other symptoms. So I didn't, I did not have en- eczema anymore, but now I was covered with cystic acne on my face, on my back. You know, Liz, I didn't own until my late 30s, I didn't, I never owned a open t-shirt or a, a, a dress with an open open back because I was covered with cystic acne. It was, and you can't cover up these things because, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, even when you put makeup on, it still shows. It looks, you've got these little volcanoes, you know, mm-hmm. on your, your body. Um, so I think the pivotal moment came, you know, when, um, when I remember um, seeing this little article. Mind you, this is, you know, this is 25 years ago, right, where nobody was talking about food sensitivities. This, I see this article that popped out on my Yahoo feed, and it said, why is it that children in Papua New Guinea have no pimples? And I thought, huh, that's uh-huh. so fascinating. And mm-hmm. this researcher from Australia wrote that, you know, because they don't eat gluten and processed foods. And I thought, holy moly, I'm going to try this. And so fair enough, you know, things started improving really quickly from there. Um, and, you know, my PMS has got better. I had constant migraines. That was another thing, which now I know is because of gluten. So, you know, and, and I made all these changes, but yet I came down with an autoimmune disease, right? Partly it was because I was not uh, adhering to those nutritional changes 100%. I was in a super stressful job. I used to work in advertising as a strategic planner regional in Asia, working on Fortune 100 brands, you know, with clients like L'Oreal and Volkswagen and Johnson & Johnson. And, um, and so you just, you know, you just can't stop. And it's a super, it was a super fabulous and um, a very high, high strung job. Uh, but, you know, it came at a cost where I was the girl on Sunday night taking a flight, you know, over to Taipei to present on a Monday morning, right? I mean, how sexy is that? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to friends that go like, oh my God, you're traveling all the time. I'm like, yeah, you realize that you know, my meals are order food in the hotel room. I mean, that's, you know, how fun is that, right? Sure, so, yeah. It's just the perfect storm. And, you know, in 2008, when I got diagnosed finally with Hashimoto's based on the symptoms, and I thought, you know, if I don't change something, and this was in Shang- when I was living in Shanghai, China, super polluted, right? I mean, you guys saw, you know, to t- the 2008 Olympics and how polluted China was, and that's all true. And, you know, and, and I thought, if I continue living here, I'm going to be, I'm really going to get sick. And so I opted out of the job. I, I resigned and uh, I moved to the United States. I went to, I, I took on a much slower job at UN. I went to nutrition school. I set up my practice soon after that. And this was um, 10 years ago. And, you know, today as a 45-year-old woman, uh, not only am I in remission from Hashimoto's, no more estrogen dominance, no more you know, um, adrenal exhaustion. I mean, I've, I've gone through all of them. I mean, a lot of gut infections. You're talking about H. pylori and SIBO and uh, C. diff. I had it all. And, you know, today as a 45-year-old woman, I feel absolutely, like, I mean, I feel, not only am I in remission, but I feel better than I felt when I was 25. So I love that. It really, it really is. You can turn around, you know, all of that with good food, so taking care of yourself and some major detoxification. Oh, it, it's, it is. And, you know, I... I always talk about self-love and, um, you know, I think self-love is really, really catching on now and people have, yeah. it's it's really actually blown up in the last five years, which is beautiful. 
And self-love is that practice of, you know, taking care of yourself. You know, it's the hardest thing because we are such fickle creatures that um, like to take the easy route so often. And that doesn't make us bad. You know, I, I teach and I help my clients all the time try to realize this. It's okay. I mean, we are, we're just humans. <laughs> we're just yeah. humans and um, we're doing the best we can in these moments, you know, but it, it does take discipline to really be diligent with what we're here to do and to eat right and to choose to love ourselves with the foods we eat, to do the workout because we know we need to. Um, so it's a big practice. And, um, and I'm curious, I'm curious if you see this in your practice as well, is that because when I think about it, you know, in, like in my case, and I think it applies to a lot of women, and I'm curious if you see that too, is that we get a lot of validation and self-worth from our work and or how we interact with, with the world. And, you know, and it's like, I know in my case, it was, you know, I was getting... I was getting a lot of praise for my work, right? I mean, you know, we were winning accounts left, right, and center. And, you know, I was known in the industry and, you know, I was headhunted. And I mean, all of that, you know, I just, and I just couldn't stop. It was like crack. You just couldn't stop because it made me feel so good. Um, and, and I knew that part of it was like I was getting a lot of self-worth from pushing myself that way, from those accolades. Uh, and just completely forgetting that, you know, the health was really suffering. My body was screaming. I just wasn't listening. Exactly. It is. It's hard. I, I, I call that waking up, <laughs> you know, waking up to what your soul is trying to tell you. Um, that's what I call it, you know, because we it's just, you're right. It's it's the grind. It's I kind of look at it like a mountain, you know, where we grow up and when we're kids, we're just so carefree and in the moment. And then we go to school and you know, we start to build who we think we want to be. And we go through these experiences that create who we think we want to be. And um, once we get there, we get that validation, we get that confirmation. And a lot of things come our way, maybe some things we don't expect. And it you're right, it, it like helps to build our ego, our sense of self worth. It's absolutely tied to that. It's the same for parenting. It, you know, it's like some, some moms here, here, perfect example. I'm a mom mm-hmm. and I also have my own business career as an entrepreneur. Well, I'm a single mother. And when my son was 10, his dad lived six and a half hours away from me. He said, do you mind if he would come live with me? And I was like, what? <laughs> um, I felt like I couldn't say no, but I didn't want to say yes. And I, I did let my son go. And it was the hardest thing I did. Um, I went through serious, you know, depression during this, not really depression. I don't really know what it was, sense of loss, attachment. Um, And I I had to let him go. And when he left, I was alone. And it was like, what do I do now? My sense of who I was was wrapped up in the 10 years that he was with me so far. And yes, I'm still a mother. And yes, I'm still going to be his mom. By the way, he's back. He lives here. He was gone for four years. Um, but during that time, I was like, okay, this is this is what it feels like when your kids go off to college. This is what it feels like when you have an empty nest. It sucks. It's hard because if you're not building your own life and allowing them to do their own thing, 
Um, and but, but really keeping the connection, I think that was the biggest experience that taught me how important connection truly is. Mm. Um, because yeah. it was it was really tough. But um, we do find our sense of self worth in every single thing that we're doing, whether it's parenting or our jobs, yeah. or even our bodies. Yeah. And you know, if it serves us well, then great. But if it doesn't, right, that that's when you, you know, we all need a serious check in and saying, where is this going? Like, how is that? You know, and, and you're right. I mean, you're talking about parenting, the same thing we can, you know, we can go on about relationships, how we stay in toxic relationships, because we create some kind of crazy self worth, you know, we think it is. But at the end of the day, it could be a super toxic one. I know we kind of want to have tangent on this one. But you know, it's I think it's important, because a lot of times, when it comes to giving ourselves the permission to change our dietary habits, it really goes back to how much we love ourselves, um, you know, more than anything else. I, I agree. And that's okay. Tangents happen on my show all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the questions I have for you is, um, I actually have a, I've written down a couple here. Um, you talked about what you went through and how you healed Um estrogen dominance, adrenal fatigue, I would like to know more about estrogen dominance, what that is, what it looks like, um, how to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, so I'm so glad you asked because I'm, you know, I I have to kind of make a decision if I'm going to do a a new book soon. And that's probably going to be the next book. Um, Because the reason is because I feel like probably 70 to 80% of women experience estrogen dominance in some way or form. And I'll talk about the symptoms in a second. And majority of them have no idea that they have it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a dangerous place because it can lead to some serious um, conditions. And so let's talk about that. Um, On the more benign side of things, estrogen dominance, and I would also explain what happens in the body so that it leads to that. But let's just talk about symptoms first. Estrogen dominance can manifest in, you know, things like, for example, PMS, right? We, you know, as women, we are told that it's pretty much a normal thing to have PMS. And I assure you that, I mean, you know, having a little bit of pain and and knowing that obviously that is there and having a mood change, all of that is very normal because your, our hormones completely tank, um, you know, for us to even get our periods. But it doesn't mean that you have to be in fetal position taking five Advils a day and be ripping other people's heads off and feeling absolutely depressed and isolated. You know, mm-hmm. if that's that's the part that we, you know, we don't want and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, but interestingly, how the body stores fat around um, around the body is also indicative, can be indicative of um, the hormonal balance that we have. So, for example, your typical pear shape, kind of a woman who just cannot lose that weight on her thighs and her butt, is oftentimes due to estrogen dominance, right? And here we have, you know, somebody who's hitting the gym five times a week, right, working on these thighs and butt, and things aren't just moving as quickly as for other people. And that could be due to estrogen dominance. Um, you know, things like uh, just having constantly bloated fingers and, you know, not being able to take off your ring, right, can be, that's also another one. Um, on the more um, serious th- side of things, things like, for example, thyroid nodules, which is so many people who have a thyroid problem will go to a doc and doc will say, well, you know, let's just it's just a nodule, it's benign, let's just observe and see what happens. Well, it ain't going to go away if you don't make some changes, right? Mm-hmm. But that's that's another one. Um you know, infertility, um, super heavy periods, right? A lack of periods all can be due to estrogen dominance. The parts that um, that are getting a little bit more serious is things like fibrocystic breasts. 
So, you know, almost every woman I know at some point in her life is experience, will experience fibrocystic breasts, uh, lumps on your breast. And I don't need to tell you how, how uh, scary of a moment it is when we find a lump on our breast, right? right? And then you just go through the whole panic and then the whole confusion about what kind of testing to get and people tell you different things and the internet will declare you dead by now, you know, all of that, right? And so... <clears throat> But more importantly, um, things like fibroids and fibroids, which, you know, with conventional medicine approaches it, well, if you, if you have fibroids, uh, we've got, you know, the, the, the most common treatment, treatment, and I really want to just laugh this off because it's like, I mean, how can you call it a treatment is to remove your uterus, mm-hmm. right? So if a woman still um, is in her reproductive years. It's, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a really tragic uh, thing to hear. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and even if you are done with having children, there are also a lot of health consequences when you have your uterus removed. Um, but also, you know, estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, which Liz are uh, 80%, 80 to 90% of breast cancers in the country today. And mind you, this is, you're talking about one in seven women having breast cancer, right? Um, wow. You know, is to estrogen. And mm-hmm. no one talks about, we talk about diagnostic tools and, you know, and pushing mammograms on women and, you know, and making a whole industry about diagnosis. Right. What about, nobody talks about prevention, let alone exactly. reversal of that, right? Which to my shock, when I was diagnosed with estrogen dominance, because I had a lot of boobs, lumps on my boobs um, and I had hair loss, which wasn't because of the thyroid at that point, you know, and I remember like, you know, doing all the research and coming across all this information about how I can detox my liver and support my liver effectively to help that estrogen that causes the problem to be evacuated effectively. And I thought, why on earth nobody has ever told me that? Right. You know? mm-hmm. So it's, it's that kind of thing. So, and, and also not to mention endometriosis, which is one of the biggest problems in the country as well uh, for women who are still menstruating is also due to estrogen dominance. So you can see there are so many conditions here, right? Mm-hmm. That from the benign stuff like, okay, I've got cellulite on my butt to the serious stuff like, oh my God, I got breast cancer. This is like, this is life threatening. Um, and, and so, so let me just explain what happens in the body because I don't want anybody to demonize estrogen. I have to pause. Yes. Explain, but you made me laugh and I had to like quiet my laugh for a second. You said, yeah. And the internet, I- the internet will pronounce you dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean- she just threw that in there. You guys, that was so awesome. <laughs> I'm over here giggling. That was just great. And you're so right. Like that, that fear mentality. And so I, there, there's such a need for you and your work in this world and um, helping people to take the power back and to do the things that will help them. So I'm so excited to dive in. So, so let's, um, you know, the one thing I don't want anyone to do is to demonize estrogen because the word estrogen dominance automatically mean like, you know, okay, for example, flaxseed contains natural estrogens in it called phytoestrogens, right? So naturally occurring estrogens. Well, if I have estrogen dominance, naturally, I should not be putting more estrogen into my body. Wrong. And so here, here's, here's where there's, there's, there's a need for a bit of context. Think of estrogen as like this cl- river that just flows, that flows, right? And what happens is the river gets then divided into dirty water and clean water, right? There's this bank that kind of divides that to clean water and dirty r- r- uh, water. And that's exactly what happens with estrogen. Estrogen, there's actually different types of estrogens, but let's just make it simple. It's just this estrogen. And then guess what? It's the liver, our liver and the gut then then separate them out to the clean estrogens that do the beautiful work that you need that estrogen to be a woman 
to and and it then divides it to the dirty estrogens that are causing the growth of the the, the malignant tissue, like in the in the case of breast lumps or growth of endometrial um, tissue, right? Or so endometriosis or having you know thyroid nodules, right? All of that is fueled by those bad estrogens. So this is where my cookbook comes in, teaching women how to rebalance your digestive health and your liver, support your liver. So you don't have that dirty water, you have that clean water. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Of Uh, course, not to mention that dirty other dirty estrogens that we can bring in is also stuff like, you know, the skincare product and the cleaning products that we use in the house that supposedly smell nice, right, but are pretty deadly. And anything that you basically see, very simple, stuff that you see advertised in magazines and television, uh, you know, my, i.e. my former clients, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, that's the kind of stuff you want to get rid of the house and just go as natural as possible with your skincare regimen. So that's another, you know, piece of the puzzle, right? So all of those things affect your estrogen. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because I'm sure not a lot of people would think that. Yeah. So, you know, those estrogens I talked about, like if you want to have a little bit of like the medical background of this, get broken down into metabolites. Right. And mm-hmm. is the metabolite. Some of the metabolites are uh, protective and they, they help us build tissue or maintain our subtleness and, you know, and give us good mental function, good hair, whatever. But then there's also these other metabolites that are harmful and they are the other ones that are causing all that havoc in the body. And, you know, and the, how it's broken down. It's largely depending on, like what I said, your gut and your liver. No one mm-hmm. talks about that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I talk about gut health in my book and um, not not liver detoxification, but absolutely like fixing leaky gut and how to do that and what foods to eliminate. So um, what would you say, what would be some of the best preventative measures to prevent estrogen dominance yeah so um the the let let me throw out a couple of foods here uh, that somebody can incorporate like tomorrow you know just go grocery shopping and add those in um and they can be both preventative as well as like if you do have thyroid nodules breast lumps even for women with breast cancers um both progesterone and estrogen receptor positive all of that is going to help tremendously and there's you know, Harper One is my, uh, Harper Collins is my publisher and the editor was a real stickler for research. So some of the especially bigger claims, like for example, saying that flaxseed can actually reduce breast cancer. She's like, well, we better back this up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the book is fully researched and fully referenced at the back. Um, so yeah, so, you know, we, I mentioned flaxseed. Um, there is a, um, flaxseed is one of my absolute favorite foods. Uh, it contains natural occurring um, uh, estrogens. And, uh, but also what's great about it is that it's a natural source of fiber. So it helps with elimination, right? Uh, we do not want to be constipated. If you want to have a good hormonal balance, you do not want to be constipated. You want to have a really good full bowel movement and feel emptied because guess what? We are pooping hormones out. Those metabolized, those dirty water hormones that I talked about, they need to be pooped out. That's how we eliminate them. And that way you make space for the new ones. And they, so the bad guys don't reenter the body and do more havoc. So, um, so, okay, don't lose your train of thought because it's just so good. But let me ask you this. It's, is it kind of like when you eat estrogen? Because I've also heard like, don't eat that. That's, you know, that's going to cause estrogen in your body. Um, so let me, like, let me clarify. If we're eating something like flax seeds and they've got good estrogen, is it kind of like eating like avocados? It's like, yeah, 
yeah, people used to be afraid of eating fats because they thought it would make them fat. So is that kind of like the same theory here that, okay. Yes, absolutely. And just a little caveat on this, you know, there are always people who have what we call a paradoxical response to food, meaning... uh, Those darn paradoxes. Right, right, right. It's like the same thing with medicine, right? I mean, you go and see a doc and they have to like try out three different types of uh, thyroid medications before they settle on one is because you just respond differently than what majority of other people do. So with flaxseed is the same thing. I would say one out of 20 people that I've worked with uh, would have a paradoxical response, meaning that when they do incorporate flaxseed, they start having like tender breast or the PMS actually gets worse. But you know, and then the other 19 people actually start feeling way better immediately. PMSs go away, breast lumps disappear, thyroid nodules start shrinking, right? So you, you kind of have to try it out for a couple of weeks and see how your body responds to it. And the way you incorporate flaxseed is you do two tablespoons freshly ground, underline freshly. You mm-hmm. don't want to find the, fresh me- the, the flax meal stuff from the supermarket because that's oxidized and pretty useless. So you want to do it like, look, I'm, I'm kind of lazy. I'm a lazy cook. I don't like spending too much time in the kitchen, ironically, right? But so what I'll do is I'll like grind it up for five days worth of uh, flaxseed and then put it in a, in a fridge in an airtight container and then use that. So two tablespoons a day can add it to your smoothies to your, you know, top of a salad, on top of a soup. You do not want to cook it. That's the one thing. Um, the flaxseed is very, contains oils, um, ALL oil, which um, which is very, um, can ox- get oxidized very, very quickly. So you, no heat whatsoever. And that's, you know, that's just a wonderful way of um, um, just adding thing in. So that's one thing. The other thing is, remember how I talked about the liver being so important in separating out that, you know, dirty river from the clean river, right? Mm-hmm. The the one of my favorite ways of doing that is to incorporate an abundance of cruciferous vegetables. Mm-hmm. So cr- cruciferous are you know the brassica, the cabbage family, if you will, right? And so bring on things like cauliflower, broccoli. Broccoli sprouts are amazing. Um, you know, all the kale and arugula, which is my personal favorite, right? Uh, Karabis, all the radishes. Now, you know, we're going to summer, all the radishes are just popping out everywhere. They're fantastic um, to bring that in. And, you know, just having like um, a cup cup to two cups a day, instead of doing, you know, the spinach, then the romaine lettuce, and which, I mean, really, romaine lettuce has got almost no nutrition in it. Right, exactly. Put that away. You know, put in the arugula in there, bring in the mizuna, you know, those are the things that you want to incorporate. Um, and they can be raw or it can be cooked. It doesn't really matter. They contain a substance called DIM. I know many women who do have mm-hmm. estrogen dominance will do, take a supplement called DIM, the other than methane. Um, you can, you know, you can do a supplement, but you can also bring it in from food. Um, I always believe that food is much more potent than a supplement and make that a habit. Um, so, you know, those are just simple things like that, that we can add in. Another one that I really love first thing in the morning, um, and I'm curious if you have that in your book as well, is to start off the day with two tablespoons of either apple cider vinegar or lemon juice or lime juice to kind of prime your body for receiving food and, you know, and stimulate enzymatic production. So you have a lot of enzymes being produced to break the food down, get the, get out the most nutrition out of the food you're eating and, and nourish your, your whole adrenal system. Um, that's a really great one. And, and your liver would absolutely love it. The, the more we, you know, we give them, uh, give the liver the enzymes to work with, the, the, the easier the digestion is, the less there is work for the liver. So the liver can focus on really 
detoxifying us from all the other crap that we're eating, right? Yeah, I love that, that you made that point. I think that's so important. And I love the way that you say that because, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, start your day with lemon water. It's going to boost your metabolism or prime your belly, but they don't really get into the science of why it works the way that it does. And um, I start my day often with uh, the juice of a half of a lemon squeezed um, and just recently more into got into the um, apple cider vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing that one at night with my magnesium, but I guess maybe I'll switch it and do it in the morning. Eh, I could do it at both, both times. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. It's just, you know, you kind of, you want to tune into your body and say how it, feel, how it makes you feel. Because just to give you an example, like if I did apple cider vinegar at night, I'll get hungry. And then I'm like, I don't want to eat, you know, at bedtime because mm-hmm. I, I kind of like going to bed actually, um, you know, uh, with as little food as possible in the tummy, because that way you actually experience much deeper sleep when you don't eat at night that much. So um, for some people, you know, apple cider vinegar can, will stimulate the juices and you're like, I'm ready for a meal. <laughs> no wonder why I woke up at 3 a.m. hungry. <laughs> you <have it. laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I know now. Thank you. See all these things. And it's like, we don't know. We're just e- eating and drinking them because they're good for us. So I'm so glad that you said that. Um, are, okay, so I do have more questions about detoxifying the liver and helping support the liver. But before I before you go on to that, um, do you have more to say on the eat this list for, um, you know, flax seeds, cruciferous veggies? Yeah, let's throw in one. I want to just do a highlight of one food because it is really um, quite incredible. So do you do you know whether like do you feel like some of the women on your podcast struggle with like breast issues, breast health, lumps, fibrocystic breasts, breast cancers? I'm not sure about that. I haven't heard that specifically, um, but I have heard of other autoimmune disorders, you know, PCOS or um, even fibromyalgia. Um, and then Hashimoto's, those three have been the largest that I have heard from my community. Okay. So since we on us, we can talk about that since we on estrogen dominance, um, just, just one more food to throw in here for all the symptoms that I talked about is, uh, which is quite incredible is, um, a broccoli sprouts. Okay. So, you know, before the broccoli becomes a, a full head of broccoli, right? You've got these little sprouts and you can get them actually in most, uh, food stores, you know? And the amazing thing about them is that um, they contain a substance called sulforaphane. And sulforaphane does tons of research that shows that not only does it shrink breast cancers, not only does it prevent, but it actually shrinks breast cancers. And, you know, and that's quite phenomenal because when you think about it, women who are who have estrogen receptor positive breast cancers are put on very strong medication called tamoxifen. And they can only take it for five years because after that, the liver, it, it damages the liver so much so that the doc cannot keep the woman for more than five years on tamoxifen. And here you have the substance called these little tender, you know, innocent looking broccoli sprouts. Right. Mm-hmm. And then just by doing a cup a day for, for people who have breast cancer, just doing a cup a day gives you this, the amount of sulfur, sulfur which is a natural estrogen blocker. So it blocks those bad estrogens that I talked about from coming into the cell, like breast cell and doing and causing the growth of the malignant tissue. So it's, you know, it's just amazing stuff like that. That is um, th- that fascinates me, you know, and so not surprisingly, there's quite a bit of broccoli sprouts all around my cook. Oh, wow. Thank you for telling me that. That's that's really important information and for the c- listeners of the podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, 
yeah, I mean, we can talk about Hashimoto's and autoimmunity if you like. Um, is there something that will be interesting? You know, I, th- I think I think so. I think that um, I, I love the nutrition science aspect of, and um, it's so easy to forget, you know, why we eat the foods we have. Um, back in the day when I first started off in the working world, I just graduated from, from my nutrition science degree. But like you said earlier, we didn't know what we know now back then, you know, mm-hmm. and so I remember getting a book and it was like, eat pineapple because it has this this and this in it so I was like Mm -hmm. okay pineapple's good and so it was just on a mission to always find the foods that were good for us and I think that um you know a couple things that I would like to address is yes we could we could talk about those but I also want to talk about um adrenal issues yeah and also um before we go into that how would you recommend detoxifying the liver because mm-hmm. you talked about earlier that that those were kind of the two things De- fix the gut and detox the liver yeah sugar balance is the third part of the equation right? okay um so yeah so you know when it comes to detoxing the liver is um first of all nobody has to go doing a fat you know do a fast for five days or be buying super expensive supplements, um, you know, to detox the liver. I mean, if you have serious liver issues, then sure, work with somebody to guide you through something like that. But, you know, on the most part, just doing the elimination diet, which is a big part of my book, it starts off with that, eliminating the big trigger foods, so like gluten, dairy, egg, potentially eggs, you know, you're going to cut them Mm -hmm. out see whether how you do um sugar right um in my case i also took out nightshade vegetables because i find that a lot of people have problems with inflammation potatoes uh, eggplants peppers right so uh, you know just by doing that like the elimination diet alone can be huge in supporting the liver starting off your day with an apple cider vinegar so you acidify your your body but also you you help your you know with the enzymatic production so the liver has a harder time with processing the food um, you know, having a really good bowel movement, right? So bringing in the fiber on a very conscious level, bringing in the magnesium um, to get the bowels to move and support the liver. I mean, there's a whole protocol that I have in the book that is like over 30 different things you can do. Okay. But it's, it can be just as simple as do the elimination diet. Make sure you have enough fiber to get get the bowels moving. Go to sleep as early as possible. Remember that the liver detoxifies, does a lot of the dumping and work in, in, in the middle of the night, right? It starts at 1 a.m. and goes on to about 3 3 a.m. And being in deep sleep by then is, you know, or in REM sleep is really important for the liver to work, right? I mean, those are simple things that one can do mm-hmm. without, um, and bringing those surface of vegetables, right, that I talked about. And, you know, that itself um, is, is huge. Like the lemon, you know, you talk, we talked about lemon juice in the morning, right? Don't throw away that lemon rind, especially if it's organic. You want to do organic. You don't want to use the rind if it's coming from conventional um, uh, limes or lemons and just grind that into sorry just um, just zest it and put it into salads and stuff not only does it taste delicious but it contains a substance called delimonene and delimonene is a, it's a hugely supportive substance for the liver for some of the pathways for the liver to do the work right you know let's just that itself just doing these things will set you apart from a lot of other um you know, a, a lot of the things that we do every day that are that are not great for the liver, it's mm-hmm. going to help a ton. Mm, I love all this. Just so knowledgeable. <laughs> this is great information. And I, you know, I'm such a science geek. So I love when you throw in the what it has in it, because it just it 
It makes so much sense. And, you know, one of the things that popped up into my mind when you were talking about the lemon rind is um, this lectins and how these, um, the skins of certain plants are there to protect the plant. And so therefore in our bodies, they come, become anti-nutrients. Mm. So um, do you have much experience in this knowledge of lectins? Yeah, so, yeah, so, um, you know, I have a, I think the world is kind of divided when it comes to lectins. And I draw a lot of um, my inspiration on these kind of things uh, from looking at how, you know, the world has been eating, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, for example, you know, we talked about before we started the show about paleo, right? And then demonization of all grains. At the same time, if you look at the blue zones, the, the areas where people live the longest, right? For example, you know, when you go to Okinawa, like I've, when I lived in Asia, I spent a couple of weeks in Okinawa, which because I was so fascinated. You know, they eat rice there. It's mm -hmm. a big deal, right? Like, hey, they should be dead by now, you know? Like, they should be so sick and so miserable, according to the paleo community, right? And having all these digestive issues, but yet they don't. And with lectins, is this, to me, lectins is the same thing, like demonization of beans or legumes, which have been the staple food in India, in Peru, and, you know, in a lot of other Latin American countries that live on those. And it's, it's just that... There's a couple of things that come comes in here. Number one is that preparation is completely different from w the way we prepare it. You know, traditionally, for example, in India, uh, lentils always, beans are always soaked overnight before they're cooked. They're always cooked with um, with added substances, like for example, kombu, in order to uh, denutralize them as much as possible, right? And to make them even more digestible. Um, and then the, the second part of, the, so preparation is one part of the equation. The second part of the equation is that, you know, like you, um, I don't know whether they're actually, I don't, funny enough, I actually don't know whether they're lectins because I, I don't really care about them um, in, in the lemons per se, but um, they're for sure, they're high in something called oxalates, which the oxalate community, the anti-oxalate community will tell you the same thing is the protective substance that is there from all the plants. And here's the thing, right? I mean, there are, there are oxalates and there are lectins in so many different things. Why is it that for generations we could eat them and people were some of the longest living people were eating them and they were fine. Mm -hmm. And what I had found and I had problem with oxalates, mind you. And so which which I also found in a lot of beans and legumes. And what I had found, it was nothing wrong with that food. It was it was my digestion that was messed up. At that point, I had SIBO, I had H. pylori, I had C. diff. Those are all serious digestive infections. And my body was just not able to break down those foods. And hence, it was manifesting in a lot of different symptoms. But guess what? When I fixed my gut, I stayed away from these foods for, for, for a while because I just wanted to bring the inflammation down. But when I, when I did fix my gut and I worked with a very experienced GI um, doc, you know, I can eat all these foods now with no problems, with having no pain, with having no digestive issues, with having no, you know, no symptoms that I had before. Mm -hmm. So that's is where my, you know, where my um, disagreement on this is people who demonize certain foods lack a lot of context in like what I said about the preparation and how healthy are we to be able to receive these foods? Oh yeah. I think that's such a good point. Um, you know, even for myself, when I did my elimination diet, my first one I, and my food test came back, um, saying, you know, don't eat chicken, don't eat cranberries, don't eat, you know, these really healthy foods. And so when I did my elimination diet, they said, yes, these, these natural foods, in, from the earth, you can add them back in, you know, one at a time and just kind of see what happens. And, um, 
you know, it, it is just our body's autoimmune response. It starts attacking. You know, when we get that leaky gut, who knows what's going to happen after that? And it's going to be different for everybody based on so many different variables. It is. And, you know, and so these tests are good. I think it's a great starting point. But when somebody comes back with, you know, 30, 40 foods that they are not supposed to eat and they are in absolute panic, right? And despair. And, and, you know, and a lot of times docs don't explain, like, you know, tell you, well, you just have to get off those and learn how to do a rotation diet or whatever, right? But then, you know, when you have these 40 foods off your list, like, this is crazy. Like, for, for a lot of people, you just can't live like that. And, and what, um, you know, the bigger question here is, what is causing these for sensitivities? And what I had found is that when we have chronic infections going on, things like parasites, candida, huge one. I mean, mm -hmm. candida yeast overgrowth can be causing so many food sensitivities. Like, for example, you could be eating, you know, um, uh, lentils, right, for, for 10 years, and then boom, suddenly, like, the minute you have lentils, like, your tummy looks like you're three months pregnant, right? Like, you just can't eat it. And, and so people get so confused, like, why is this causing me all these issues? And the answer is because your microbiome has changed, your bacteria has changed, your, 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 you might be having infections. And what I have found is it will be clear of those infections, those, whether it's SIBO, whether it's these parasites I said, right, candida, uh, whether it's H. pylori, which is a very common, almost 70% of people have some form of amount of H. pylori, which is a pretty nasty bacteria that um, just completely stops your production of your stomach acid. And you don't even realize that, you know, like you just... Stomach acid is there as a chemical compound to break this hydrochloric acid is there to break the food down. And when you don't have enough of it, right, then you just, you, you, you know, the food that gets passed on to the small intestine is not broken down properly. And this is where we're becoming sensitive to all these different foods. So it's really important to, yeah, sure, understand and get off these foods temporarily. But what's really important is to look under the hood and understand why am I having all these sensitivities and then address these infections. And from my own experience and having worked with so many women, when you do, you know, out of the 40 foods, you can bring back probably 35 of them back in. Mm -hmm. mm, that's such good information. I love it. I think that, um, I, okay, first question, when did your cookbook come out? <laughs> I want this ASAP. Okay. Uh, the book came out in uh, April uh, 2018, so this year. Oh, it's here. Okay, good. Yeah, so yeah, people can here. get it. Where yeah, can they pick it up? Store. You know, if you like to support independent bookstores, get it there. If you want to, just, um, all the Barnes & Nobles have it. And if you want a convenience, then just order it on Amazon. <laughs> I love it. Okay, good. Um, all right. Now, moving on. I want to talk about adrenals. Adrenal fatigue. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. And that might even been have been something that I was dealing with. And before we go into that, I want to say, I want to acknowledge what you just said about candida. That was something I dealt with bad. And I didn't know. I actually was, um, when I first went paleo, I did the elimination diet. I first, I started with a sugar diet, sugar detox, then eliminated gluten and dairy and grains and, mm -hmm. um, even peanut butter. Mm -hmm. And then um, I got into this groove of eating a lot of paleo treats, these healthy mm -hmm. treats. Mm -hmm. And I got candida and I had no idea that I had it. Um, mm -hmm. I self-diagnosed, I, you know, knowing what I know, I just, I know a lot about nutrition in the body and I just kept, you know, going, hmm, there's, this isn't right. But then I realized one day that it was a serious fatigue that I had and, 
Um, when I looked up fatigue, I looked up and candida popped up and all the foods that went with that popped up. And I was like, I have candida. And what I learned as well when I did my detoxification diet, when I had candida, I, of course, I did this crazy detox diet <laughs> where yeah. I drank uh, bentonite clay. Yeah. And that sure, that's probably a protocol to follow and, and can be very, very helpful. Um, but it's not going to fix it if I don't didn't eliminate the foods. Yeah. And so um, I did that and it worked temporarily, but it was in the foods that I needed to eliminate. And a lot of them, what I didn't know, a lot of the, so maybe we can talk about this too. I didn't know this, but I looked up and it said FODMAPs were problematic for candida because of how they break down in the, the digestive system. So I was doing a lot of garlic, but garlic is a FODMAP. So mm -hmm. I cut out garlic and it also helped heal the candida. Mm -hmm. um, although garlic is supposed to help candida. So that was one of the catch 22s that I found. I was like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe I'll have it. Maybe I won't. Um, I just got to a point where I was like, nope, I'm just going to cut out every every single FODMAP and uh, all sugars, all honey, you know, yeah. all of the things that were contributing to it um, because even broccoli was a, a contributor. And yeah. so um, I cut all of that out and healed myself of the candida. Yeah, great. That's uh, Yeah, candida is really one of the most difficult infections to diagnose because it comes back as a, you know, as a false negative, a lot of meaning that shows that it doesn't, you don't have it, but actually you do. Uh, and, you know, even great labs like Doctors Data and, you know, Genova's, Stool Tests that are, that are, you know, that are golden standards for a lot of integrative practitioners uh, show that there is no candida, but then your symptoms are saying otherwise. Um, here's the thing with, um, you know, what's interesting about what you're saying is that uh, it's, you know, like with a lot of times um, when somebody's got a little bit more complex situation going on, you've really got to work with a practitioner. If you have a complicated case, I would really recommend to work with somebody who really understands different protocols and diets and who is not committed, like who is not dogmatic about his or her approach of going like, oh, this is on, you know, paleo is going to, oh, AIP is going to heal everything, right? Mm -hmm. Or FODMAP is going to heal everything because it just doesn't exist. It's a, that's, and that's part of, that was part of the difficult part about my book is to help women navigate what are the things to look for and listen to the symptoms based on the foods that you're putting in your body, uh, but not demonizing anything or just being committed to only one kind of diet helping everything. So what you're saying is that you see, look, there is a lot of people who did, uh, who would do garlic, and that that would help them overcome candida, right? Combined with a lot of other things. Now you had a reaction to it. Now that doesn't mean that FODMAPs is bad for everybody who's got candida. What probably what you had going on is you had a gut dysbiosis, which oftentimes happens. Candida really creates a lot of havoc in the digestion. And for example, so for example, people with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Or any other kind of other dysbiosis that there are bugs that thrive on the sugars that are found in FODMAPs, right? FODMAPs, just for those of you who are not familiar, it stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, polysaccharides, and oligopoles. And so it's just like different forms of sugars that are found in foods like, yeah, like garlic or onions or avocado, right? At dates. And, uh, and so who would, right? who would have thought that there was actually sugar in avocado? Crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But then triggers you and so 
what happens is it's not the candida that causes the reaction is you had something else most likely going on in your gut that <clears throat> that um, that was those bugs were it could be could have been SIBO um, that was that basically they they thrive on on that sugar and then as they eat it they create gas and that's what makes us bloated or gassy from from it so um, yeah, so I just don't want to scare everybody from eating garlic if they have candida. Like, but it's a really great tool to, um, to to use it as a sort of a diagnostic when you do eat garlic and you go like, oh my god, half an hour later and I am all really farty. <laughs> 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 Two hours later, like my farts are like, you know, <laughs> this methane. Hello, it's uh, you know, it's it's really smelly, right? That that's okay. First of all, you're gonna get off it, but us plus kind of thing like, okay, what's you know, I've got some infection going on. Yeah, and yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember that part of it. I because I was uh, this was back in I think 2013, but what it was for me was the serious fatigue. It was so bad. Mm. Um, I started looking up chronic fatigue syndrome to see if I had oh, wow. that. And so when I looked at that and I looked at the foods for that diet, it's always, I always research the foods. If I'm feeling anything, I just start doing my research. And then I look at, um, you know, what foods do I need to eliminate? What foods do I need to add? And for me, it, that's it. It always goes back to the foods. Yeah. Yeah. It's Good everything. Call. Good call. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. And then I also, what else were we going to talk? Oh, yes, adrenals. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you like me to talk about? So what are, what are some of the most common symptoms with um, adrenal problems that might be a signal for somebody to, you know, yeah. take, a, take a break and kind of look at that? Yeah. So, uh, the, by the way, in case this is all very intimidating, uh, the book has a quiz for nine different hormone types, and um, you know, so that you can always look at the symptoms there and see which ones are matching. Um, the <clears throat> the stage two of adrenal fatigue, which is um, where the adrenals can be going high and down, high and low, and, um, and when you do a test, they show you like, for example, in the morning it might be really low, that's why you're really tired. Where at night they're really high, that's why you're wired and tired. You can't go back, you can't go to sleep. Um, so that's stage two. So typically being wired and tired, uh, a very big indication is when you get off the sofa and you get lightheaded. That's a mm. big giveaway, right? Um, but also, you know, that's the tricky one is just being fatigued uh, all the time, which is fatigue can be so many other different things, right? Yeah. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint that. Um, you know, another one is a, 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 another real strong giveaway is when you exercise and after exercising, instead of feeling like, you know, like a good feeling good, feeling rejuvenated, you feel tired. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's the adrenals overworking, right? Uh, waking in the middle of the night could also be that the adrenals just like fire off in the middle of the night, just will we'll wake up. Um, craving salt, craving sugar can also be that, right? The other, um, the other, um, the other stage is stage three. This is not a pretty stage. This is a stage when you've been chronically stressed out for a long time. And mind you, stress doesn't have to be. Like, oh, you know, I have a nasty boss or we have financial issues or my husband is being, you know, not supportive. It's not just that kind of stress. Stress can also come from, um, you know, just even how much you love or don't love yourself. Like how much you're beating ourselves up. The conversations with it you have with yourself can be hugely, you know, draining for the adrenals. It can also be like having constant digestive issues or infections. Like 
having Lyme, EBV, all these in fact gut infections I talked about, they can they create a huge stress on the adrenals, right? Because they um, having autoimmunity, by the way, when you have an autoimmune disease. <clears throat> also strains the adrenals because the adrenals are responsible for modulating the the immune system as well. So, um, so when you go to stage three, this is the time when you you've been stressed out for a very long time, and the adrenals kind of just like you know what I just can't do this anymore, right? And you, if you look at tests of people like that, it's basically a flat line of cortisol. You 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 your adrenals are just not able to produce cortisol anymore, and that's. These kind of people find it that like just getting up in the morning is almost impossible. You can function unless you have like three cups of coffee, right? Um, you know, feeling absolutely depleted. It's not the kind of tired. It's so depleted. It just feels like life has been sucked out of you. Um, you know, so those are so those are the I think the biggest one. But also I think on a mental level, people like that just feel absolutely resigned. You know, to life. Feel very much they stay in their victim energy. Um, they have absolutely no sense of joy out of things. So depression obviously starts setting in, right? But it's because it's mainly because of the fatigue that is just plaguing them. So, so that's you know that those are the main main symptoms. And I will say, Liz, that I think adrenal, like unlike estrogen dominance, which is a far easier thing to fix when it comes to uh, adrenal exhaustion, it's a it's a it's a more difficult animal to handle only because. It is a really multifaceted approach that's required. Food, I feel, plays somewhat of a role. Um, you know, and we can talk about a couple of strategies, but really you're going to combine it with being absolutely diligent of getting enough sleep. If you need to nap in the middle of the day, nap, because your body needs that. Um, you know, resolving whatever is the stress that's causing it, whether it's a better relationship or reframing, you know, so seeing the same problem but in a different way. So you, you kind of you feel at peace with whatever information is coming in. Um, but, if, you know, for some people, I, I will say, when you're hitting the wall, is sometimes it's also looking into whatever is the past trauma that's been causing this. And I've seen this many times, the people who've dealt with trauma, like, you know, rape or seeing being in a terrible accident or, you know, whatever it might be, PTSD, basically, stuff. Uh, they can also be hugely exhausting for, for the adrenals. Um, and so that's why, you know, it's not just one thing with the adrenals. It's not like you're going to, you know, you're going to bring in lots of vitamin C. Yeah, sure. Adrenals love vitamin C. The highest concentration of vitamin C is in the adrenals, right? Um, you know, sure, you can bring those in or, you know, uh, cut down on your caffeine, right? Don't do coffee before food. You know, the, all these kind of things help. Uh, but I feel like it's just, it's just one of the many things that we need to do to take care of our adrenals. But what do we do? What do we do? our life changes because mm -hmm. you cannot function, you know, optimally and joyfully and coming from a place of abundance and joy when you have, when your adrenals are so fried. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was, that was big for me. I have a very high stress life and I know that cutting out the caffeine was step number one for me. Um, yeah. I, I already meditate, you know, I already do my stress relieving practices. Um, I, I was living on caffeine for like, probably 40% of my day, pretty much like two cups in the morning, and I'd have a cup in the afternoon. Um, so yeah. I, I know for me, that was a big step. And I, I don't know if I've had adrenal fatigue, but I've had a lot of, um, you know, like, problems with my health in the last year. Yeah. Um, I got and, and I can tell you that just by cutting caffeine out, mm -hmm. 
it's not going to hurt you in any way. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It can only help you. And adrenals, you have to be patient. It's, you know, Liz, when I gave up my job in Shanghai and, and I took six months off and I just did all the things I never had the time to do, right? I went to India to do a meditation uh, practice for for a month, a silent meditation. And, you know, I went to London to do uh, school of journalism. I mean, I mean, just did all the things I always wanted to do. I just never had enough vacation time. And, you know, when I, I remember when I got to London and I have so many friends in London, right? And all I wanted to do was sleep. Mm-hmm. And I slept like I slept, you know, to 9 a.m. And then I'll go to school. I come from my course at 4 p.m. And then I'll go to bed at five and I sleep till nine. And then I go back to sleep like at one o'clock. I mean, I was sleeping all the time and I thought I had cancer or something, you know, mm-hmm. I thought, but it was it was just how much how much, um, you know, when we just go, 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 go. You don't realize actually how tired you are until you actually take some time off. So so this is big what you're saying and i feel like caffeine is only going to help with um to really help you recover rebound yeah definitely i had um my first bout of shingles from stress back when i was 32 a a couple factors were playing a role in my stress back then but um last year it came back uh not last year it was in december this past christmas time it came back and i had a lot of stress going on at my business um and I was like, okay, this is back. I need to do some serious, you know, stress relief and change my diet. And so, can I share with you? Shingles are are actually an autoimmune response. So it's your immune system that is responding, and it just happens to be attacking certain parts of the skin, and that's how we we um, how it manifests. And eczema is somewhat similar as well. And so it's fascinating, right? Like how you say how stress can bring on a, a condition. I have so many clients in the past when I was still in private practice who eczema had nothing to do with what they were eating. But it, but every time we nailed it down to, you know, every time the father was picking out the kid, right? And that was a stressful time the, on that the day before the woman would have an eczema attack, right? Mm-hmm. And shingles are exactly the same way. Um, and so, you know, the one of the functions of the adrenals is we were talking about the adrenals they it's not only stress response they help us to produce cortisol but they also balance our blood sugar levels they help you with your blood pressure that's why when you get off the sofa and you feel lightheaded that's adrenals are not producing enough of a hormone called aldosterone and then the fifth the fourth one is to help us support the immune system meaning either downregulated when it's overly active or upregulated if it's not if it's not doing its work sufficiently right so when you have things like, you know, anybody who's got an autoimmune response, like your adrenals, autoimmune diseases or, or you know, short um, bouts of things like shingles or eczema, it's really so important to take care of your adrenals um, because then you'll see next year, if you take your adrenals now, next, next year, Christmas, if you have that kind of stuff going on this year, sorry, mm-hmm. um, you will see that you're going to respond to it with a lot. You're going to be equipped much better to respond to it with no no skin issues Mm, thank you for that yeah i i looked up the uh like a diet for shingles as well at that time and you know changed a lot of things in my diet added some supplements um Mm -hmm. a lot of the foods that i was eating were uh, this is what it said in the um the diet that was recommended for shingles that it's activated. I know that lysine is an amino acid that helps to um, calm that response. Mm-hmm. And arginine is actually activates 
the mm-hmm. shingles vaccine, uh, and it, which is also for anybody listening, the shingles vaccine is also the herpes vaccine, mm-hmm. or is it? And it's not the canker sores, is it? Are those different? I know that yeah. shingles and herpes are the chicken pox, but canker sores, do they fall in that? Uh, you know, I don't know. Okay. Um, but one of the things it said was to, um, you know, get rid of the a lot of the foods that have arginine in it. And you know what, Magdalena? That's pretty much everything I was eating. You know, it was like I had to get rid of bone broth. I had to get rid of collagen. Collagen is high in arginine, and it's not that that was it's bad, but it's just high in that amino acid, which activates that response in the body. Um, I had to get rid of coconut flakes. Coconut oil is fine because it's a pure fat. I had to get rid of caffeine and chocolate. And Mm. all of those things were things that were a daily in my diet. And did it help you? It did. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And then add in things like, you know, um, grass-fed beef, you know, salmon, um, B vitamins, um, orange vegetables and fruits, you know, with high vitamin C, echinacea, um, Mm -hmm. there's many others. But yeah, that was that was a protocol that I followed for the last, you know, three months. Nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a, it's, it's really big. And and I agree with you to really work with somebody, uh, a practitioner who knows their stuff and um yeah, especially if it's a complicated case right you mm-hmm. know and um and you've tried different avenues and and things aren't working um but just want to uh can i just give you in part one dietary recommendation for adrenals because it really can help a lot oh please so you know i've lived in seven different countries and i've traveled to over 40 and one of the big realizations i had at one point was that and this realization only settled in kind of came out for me when I moved to the United States was was how much sugar people consume in the United States for breakfast even seemingly healthy stuff you know like um, uh, well seemingly as in declared healthy by the producers of uh, cereal companies right Um, how cereals are you know so healthy for us or having a, a bowl of oatmeal especially like things like quick oats with fruit and maple syrup on top, right? If you think about it and calculate, and you know, and have, you know, orange juice on the side, right? And coffee, that all of that, just when you look at the amount of sugar we're consuming for breakfast is outrageous. Mm-hmm. And that sets us up for total disaster. And one of the things that I've realized was that people around the world, especially where Western food, um, uh, you know, ways of eating hasn't really penetrated fully, uh, do never eat sweet stuff for breakfast, right? And whether you go to Japan, whether you go to Korea, Peru, Ethiopia, all these countries I've been to, they don't ever eat sugary stuff. It doesn't mean they don't eat sugar. They do, you know, obviously in moderation as treats in later in the day or whatever, but not for breakfast. It's mm-hmm. always savory. Mm-hmm. And so one of the big mantras in my book is I've created um, what's called PFF, protein, fat, and fiber kind of rich breakfast. Um, that contain, you know, some healthy carbohydrates, but one of the, just to give you an example of a breakfast called the farmer's wife's breakfast. It's a bed of greens. I like using arugula because it's a crucifer, right? And then having a piece of maybe a salmon from the night before, a smoked salmon or a piece of chicken from, you know, from a dinner or from a roasted, uh, from a roastery. Um, And then having a bit of sauerkraut, right? So you bring in some good probiotics, um, a piece of avocado, you know, on the side, right? 
and then sprinkle all of that with that um, flaxseed, ground flaxseed that I talked about. Uh, drizzle that with some olive oil and a little bit of lemon juice, right? Boom, done. And I mean, literally, this takes, you know, 10 minutes or less to prepare. And it is a savory kind of breakfast. And I cannot tell you how many people have told me that their their entire day has completely changed by giving up on protein powders and shakes, uh, smoothies that are low. Because smoothies can also be full of sugar, you know, uh, bananas and pineapples and mangoes. And, you know, and you put in dates in there and all that, right? All of that can be like easily 12, 15, sometimes even more teaspoons of sugar. You don't want that. Um, and the reason why I talk about breakfast in this way is because it really helps us to balance our blood sugar levels. And when you do that, you stop having cravings. You don't feel like having snacks throughout the day. So you can cut down on the calories coming from crappy food, you know, like, like, like desserts and snacks, bars and all that stuff. Uh, people stop craving coffee. And, um, you know, a lot of women have also reported that they sleep way better when, when they have this kind of breakfast. And the big deal for the adrenals on that, so looping back to the adrenals, is that the adrenals, like I said, also regulate our blood sugar levels. And so, you know, by taking the stress off the adrenals to be having to work constantly to rebalance blood sugar levels, you're just setting yourself up for giving them a break and, and then just, you know, total success for the rest of the day. Mm, I love that. And does that sound amazing or what? <laughs> I haven't eaten yet. And I'm just going, Ooh, I really want all that <laughs> right now. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a it's a great place to start. Um, you know, coffee elimination, stress elimination, um, great foods, no sugar, sugar is such a, it's so bad. And I just you know, what we do, the work we do in the world is um, so important, really just spreading this good, the good word about, you know, nutrition science and um, autoimmune disorders. And, you know, if people really just education is everything, if people really just, um, they know it's bad, but when they really, really know what's going on in the body, that's, yeah. it's game changing. Absolutely. And that's the reason why I wrote the book in a way that, you know, the first study percent of the book is really explaining the science behind food and the science behind sugar balance, liver detoxification and gut health and our hormones. So that when you come into the recipes, you're like, oh, I see that's what she means, you know, because I feel like, you know, your listeners and my readers, the people who pick up my book, those are not women who just want me like, give me that one food that's going to help me, you know, like get pregnant again. Right. Or, you know, I think most women have and an intelligent women know that you need to put a little bit of work. There might be a few things that you need to change around. And so I feel like probably your listeners, my readers are smart women, proactive women who take charge and take action and wanting just empowering them with that information gives a lot of context and, and then gives a really good reason to be trying these recipes rather than just be dishing out a whole bunch of random recipes with no context. Mm, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, a bunch of power women listening to this podcast, and I'm sure your readers are as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm circling back on my notes to see if there's anything that I missed out on. And, you know, we, did, we didn't we did need to really talk about, I don't think, blood sugar regulation. I just think that's, we. you know, we threw that in a couple times. Yeah, you know, eliminate as sugars as many as possible. I know my my listeners are probably already on that boat. And have been for a long time. This is this is deeper 
You know, it's like, oh, I'm eating healthy, but why is this still happening to me? Uh, and and so I'm sure you hear this all the time. And this when I was in private practice and today when we get emails, you know, I sometimes pop over to see our emails coming in to support team. And, you know, that was one of the first sentences that women will say, I'm already eating really well, but and then a long list of symptoms coming along. Right. Mm. And, you know, and in. And that's, that's a really, I think, important point is to realize that one is the amount of sugar we're eating, especially in America, it's, people don't realize how much sugar there is in things. So a quick little um, guide here on that is little, you know, tool to use. Four grams of sugar is one teaspoon, right? So, I mean, you know, I don't care. I'm just going to call out some names and, you know, who cares. But like, for example, Odwala, right? They, they advertise, you know, their little tiny juice which is a green juice, right? And by the way, it's owned by, I can't remember right now whether it's Pepsi or Coke, one of those, right? They, the, they buy up all these green, you know, drink companies, right? And then they, people don't know that and then they go and bastardize it, right? Mm. So, you know, that little Dwala thing, the green super drink thing that I have, um, I wasn't prepared for, to talk about this, but it was, I mean, just look at the amount of sugar. From what I remember, I think it had 24 grams of sugar. So take 24 divided by four, what do you get? It's oh, like almost six teaspoons of sugar. And it really is not a very big drink, you know? It's right. like probably six ounces or something, right? And you know, you're thinking that you're drinking this really nice green juice, but then it's like, holy cow. I mean, would you would you sit there in the kitchen and just be like putting six <laughs> teaspoons of sugar in your body? But that's exactly what happens. And, yes, and, exactly. And please do not think that just because sugar comes from a vegetable, it's, it's that much different. It actually, you know, it's, it's sure better sugar, but it's still six teaspoons. Mm-hmm. So I, that's, I, you know, that's, that's really just to be mindful of that. I'm so glad you said that. It's so, and, and I don't know, actually, I can't say that. I don't ever have juice ever. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's just, I just know too much. And so, you know, you're better off to eat the fruit um, and some people really do, they just, you know, like my son, he, he's 15. And when I was little, when he was little and a long time ago, I fed him juice, you know, he got that little, that's the only real sweet thing he craves. I mean, yeah. he, he doesn't like sweets, but if he is going to have a sweet, it's going to be like a sweet tea or it's going to be one of those juices because I think that's like an early childhood memory for him that that's what he <laughs> likes. And, um, you know, he'll, and my sister, does sweet tea as well and so when he's around her she has you know sodas and or sweet teas and I have water (laughs) so uh, or you know full-blown um full fat milk for him and that's what he drinks and so you know for him that is one of the things that he'll see those you know those blended juices um I forget the names of them, but that's okay. In the stores, and he he's just like, "Oh, mom, can I get this?" And I'm like, mm, "Yeah, let's see what's in yeah. it. Let's talk. Let's see. You know, no added sugars." But even then, I'm I'm if I do get him one, I'm like, "Don't drink it all right now. Have a little bit. You know, pour it in a glass. Yeah, um, don't do that glucose dump in your body. Yeah, glucose or fructose." Uh- it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't work with parents and kids, but I know friends who do, and they do like detective exercises for kids to kind of like teach them about food labels. And then they go to the supermarket and let the kids kind of, you know, play the detective. And it's a very, it's a turning, you know, information, like dull information into fun for kids. And then coming home and saying, you know, like buying this juice and then actually turning that, you know, like putting six teaspoons of sugar into a glass, right? Saying, oh, well, this is actually what it is in there. So visually, 
you know, when a kid sees that, it's like, okay, you know, that's, that's just not cool. But so yeah, there's, there's many ways of doing that, but it's, um, just, you know, even as adults, like we don't pay attention to it. There's so many of my friends who I've been like, you know, Hey, have you looked at the back of the label? And, um, and people just don't realize. So anyway, it's, it's something that we can completely fix. Just start looking and, um, you know, a lot of places also have juices that are, that can make you a green juice only. So things like, you know, just put in that cucumber and celery and, you know, and kale and ginger, right? And just make a juice out of that. Uh, maybe just a little bit of apple, you know, to get the pectin in, but, um, and a tiny bit of sweetness, but it doesn't, and that way you end up probably with two tea, three, two to three teaspoons of sugar rather than uh, 18, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's a great idea with kids. Um, I'm, I'm working with my son right now. He's, he's like, he'll eat whatever I put in front of him. Thank God. Um, like last night and sometimes he doesn't complain either. Sometimes he'll go, "Mm, I liked the other lettuce better. You know, we'll put, um, food that I make on, on top of a bed of spinach or spinach and arugula or a mixture. And then, um, I did kale and shredded carrots and shredded radishes. And so the kale has such a distinct flavor. Um, last night I was like, what do you think of this one? He goes, "Mm, I like this the other lettuce better but this is still good (laughs) god bless his heart you know so he's learning and i'm teaching him about the different you know foods it's just really important to really keep passing down that information and teaching our children you know sharing this legacy with them because the world around us is not you know not it's not catching up fast enough to and and it really surprises me that you know some of the foods that are still in the school systems for children today um, so, you know, really just empowering them to make, teach them, you know, give them good foods, teach them about the foods. It's so important. It's, okay. it's life-saving. Absolutely. It's a life skill. It really is. Mm-hmm. Well, Magdalena, thank you so much for today. I have had such a, I've learned so much. You should see my desk right now. I have notes everywhere. <laughs> and um, I cannot wait to get your cookbook. And yes. so is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners today? You know, um, I think just maybe one final parting thought would be, you know, sometimes we don't, we know that we have, a, we have an inkling that something is off in our body, but then because the diagnosis shows nothing and the doc says, <clears throat> take an antidepressant or, you know, exercise more and eat less kind of, you know, absolute nonsensical advice like that. Um, but we know, as, I think as women, we are highly intuitive creatures and if there, you have this inkling in your, you know, in your heart that something is off, um, start digging deeper into that and and really do something about it. Don't let it progress. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, I I cannot tell you, Liz, I'm doing this for a decade now, um, how many women I've had who would email me, you know, now saying, hey, do you remember when you did this talk at the co-op in New York? And it was like seven years ago, right? Um, you know, and you said that blah, blah, blah. And I didn't do anything about it because my doc said everything was okay. Like, you know, say this woman had thyroid nodules. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, she has, you know, mm-hmm. now she's diagnosed with breast cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's all, estrogen, you know, estrogen dominance is the name of the game, and like in a case like that. But it always starts off with like these little inkling, you know, this, this pesky little symptoms, and then we suppress it. We we don't want to listen to that body signals or we, our own intuition even for that matter because hey doctor has the doc has so much of you know of um, respect in the community right and you know and so we don't want to be too rebellious so I my my real big thing is just listen to your body and if you feel something is off 
do your homework to identify it as early as possible. And it doesn't mean you're a hypochondriac. Right. You know, it just means that you're taking care of yourself and you want to you wanna catch it early and not come to a point where you have to have your breast removed, uterus removed, breast removed. I'm really passionate about that part of my work uh, because I just see too much of that. Mm. I think that's such an important reminder and so, so important because it is so easy to just get wrapped up in our to-do lists and our life and put ourselves on the back burner. I am raising my hand. I've done that too many times, you know, and I do have a good friend who's like, stop everything. And they, they say, promise me that you're mm-hmm. going to go to the doctor because you know, they know I self-diagnose quite a bit. And oftentimes it's okay because I knew I know that I know more than my doctor. And so I, I actually do my research and I reach out to people like you that I've connected with in the community. And, and if then it gets to the point where if I, I need to, of course, I'm going to go to the doctor. But a lot of times my doctor, you know, I'm in the Midwest. My doctor here is very um, um, old school, Western um, medicine yeah. trained. So it's more about prescriptions than it is about yeah. preventative measures. So yeah. I always do my due diligence before. Absolutely. So yeah, so and I totally agree with you on that. You know, it's like going to see a traditional doc when you have, you know, look, look, I mean, Western medicine has its place, right? I had a double hip replacement done six months ago, because Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so there's a place for that, right? Um, You know, if I if I'm in an accident, I I, I wouldn't want to be going to talk to a naturopath about what herbs to apply. I mean, no way, right? Right. But when it comes to those subtle things, like you said, medication is the only or, or surgery is the way of operating in the Western medicine. Um, it, it's not that it's not to say don't go and see a doc. You just have to pick the right kind of trained doc. So functional doctors, naturopaths, integrative nurse practitioners, you know, who really understand that who've been trained functionally. Right. Which means they're looking at every aspect of your life, including nutrition, including stress, detoxification, lifestyle, genetics. Right. Can really help tremendously. So. What I'm saying is, you know, don't not not to go and see a doctor, but just see the right kind of doctor. Mm, I totally agree. That's so important. Do your research. Is there? Let me ask you this: Is there um, like a a website that is yeah. people could go to to research this? A good yes. doctor. Yes, um, ifm.org. Uh, IFM stands for Integrated Functional Medicine, IFM.org, um, and then look on the practitioners, enter your zip code if you are in the U.S., and there will be listings there. Look, just because somebody is functionally trained doesn't mean that they are fabulous. They're, they are still, you know, good and doc- bad doctors, like they're good and bad lawyers, you know. Um, so I think it's important just to do your online research. You know, today with the Internet, doctors get reviewed um, on various places. And so you can just poke around a little bit, but that's a really great starting point. Well, thank you. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Magdalena. I am so grateful for this conversation today. And I know that it's definitely going to help so many people. And I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you do in the world. And just thank you for the work you do, the effort. And I know that you have a big heart for this. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for so much for having me. You're welcome. Have you ever wanted a personal trainer so that you knew exactly what to do and when in order to reach your body goals? On top of that, have you ever wanted a nutritionist that can tell you how to eat that is going to help you lose that unwanted body fat and or build the muscles that you want to have a nice lean and toned body? Well, all of that can be yours at figurefitlife.com. 
With the online comprehensive program from Figure Fit, you're going to get a personal trainer, a nutritionist, a weight loss coach, and a life coach showing you exactly what to do and when to reach your goals. You're going to get monthly workouts, weightlifting workouts, and a cardio calendar showing you exactly what workouts to do and when. You'll receive a nutrition manual, meal planning guides, and a ton of recipes in our recipe library. And with every good workout program comes balance. So on top of the workouts, you're going to receive yoga videos for stretching, for learning certain poses, how to help a bad back, how to stretch those tight hips, and really just to open up the body. And one of the most important components of the program is the mindset component. With Figure Fit, we focus on establishing a healthy mind, and that has to do with where we're putting our attention, what we're focusing on. So we have an entire meditation library that's going to help you de-stress, set the proper goals for your life, and learn how to achieve them. All of this is here at your fingertips every single day at figurefitlife.com. Join us now. Head to figurefitlife.com and click on the Figure Fit tab to get started. I cannot wait to meet you and support you with all of your goals, all of your dreams to help you get fit, to feel great, and to love your body. Get started today at figurefitlife.com.